Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church, a corner of Fudge and Monroe Streets in Covington, and we are super glad to be able to uh, be with you this morning through this radio broadcast, and uh, thank you so much, FCC members who are uh, using the radio broadcast as a means for uh, worshiping and, and studying the Word of God, and then so many others who have been listening to our broadcast every Sunday. We're thankful for your listening support uh, during uh, these times of uh, continued uncertainty, pandemic, sickness, sadness. It has really been uh, a tough year for uh, so many of our folk in the Covington, Allegheny County area and uh, throughout this part of the state. And we continue with uh, prayers, intercessions for so many folk who have been going through really tough times. Um, but we're glad that we can share together in the Word of God. And uh, we're going to consider today a theme entitled let the church be the church. Let the church be the church. I read about a uh, preacher who had the habit of going down to the, the train station every single day to watch the Sunset Limited go by. There was no chore that he wouldn't interrupt to carry out this daily ritual. And finally, members of his church thought that he was a bit nuts, and they asked him to give up this daily habit. And he said, no. I will not give it up. He said, I preach your sermons, teach Sunday school, teach Bible studies, perform your weddings and funerals. I run your charities. I chair your committees. I won't give up seeing that Southern Pacific train every day. I love it. He said, it's the only thing around here I don't have to push. You know, the truth is, dear friends, that most things don't get done in life without someone doing a little pushing. Pushers are not always the most liked people in the world, but it takes pushers to get some things accomplished. And this is true for the business world and also for the church as well. The church, along with everything else, needs pushers, movers, shakers. In his uh, book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, John Maxwell, one of my favorite writers who is a professional in Christian leadership, he tells the story in that book, uh, one of the most incredible restorations in American business history, and it happened at the Chrysler Corporation in the early 1980s. Of course, Chrysler uh, at that point was in a mess despite a long history of success, and uh, by 1978, even though they had done well in the early 70s, by 1978, uh, they had slipped to the point of having only 11% of the uh, market of the entire domestic automobile market. Uh, things looked really bleak. Uh, they were close to bankruptcy. And in November of 1978, Chrysler brought on a new leader. His name was Lee Iacocca. He had been uh, in that position at Ford and had done so well and brought Ford to uh, great earning record profits. 
So now, in 1978, he took on the task of turning around the Chrysler Corporation, and, and he did. He did everything that was needed so that they once again could start making money. Uh, they, they could start having success in the automobile industry. Um, I remember myself when he made some promises on national TV and he went on a limb, but he kept all those promises. And I believed in him. In fact, I bought one of those new K cars uh, that Chrysler came out with. And it was a fantastic automobile. You see, Iacocca was a pusher, a mover, and a shaker. He made it happen for Chrysler. In nearly every area of life, there has to be a pusher in order to get some things accomplished. That happens in the home, in business, and in the church. You know, often the preacher is that person who becomes the pusher, the mover, the shaker. And I admit that I want and have always wanted in my ministry to motivate people to action. I want to motivate you to action. Uh, not just my church members, but whoever is listening and whatever church you might be a part of, uh, I want to rev this up for you. I consider that to be a part of my work as a gospel preacher. I know what the scripture teaches about many things, and I know that church growth is one of those things. So I want to motivate you to help make the church grow. Uh, as we enter the second year of uh, the 20s, not the roaring 20s, that was in the 1900s, wasn't it? And I don't know what we would call the 2020s, maybe the confusing 20s, based on what we've experienced so far. But as a gospel preacher, right now, I have two main concerns. One concern is the need for individual personal spiritual growth on the part of every Christian, every Christian that I lead and influence, there is that concern that, that they grow spiritually and reach spiritual maturity and completeness the way the Bible teaches. And my second concern is the need to keep the Lord's church strong and united as we seek to fulfill the great commission of Jesus in the world today. Now, we don't know exactly what the church looks like anymore after this COVID pandemic and all of the isolations and the restrictions and the hurdles that we've been forced to cross. The church has taken on some new looks. For example, the online church, uh, it's here to stay. Uh, it looks like it's here to stay at least. And our methods of preaching and teaching the gospel I was talking to some preachers locally uh, just not long ago, and one of them asked how things were going at First Christian. And I said, well, I'm not sure. I think about a third of our people are attending our service physically. Another third are participating virtually with our services on the radio or live stream. Uh, and probably another third are watching Charles Stanley in Atlanta or Jonathan Falwell in Lynchburg. And in that statement, I, I overlooked the fact that probably some of our people, too, have decided not to do anything, not to worship anywhere. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul talks about his concerns. As a matter of fact, in that chapter, he talks about all the sufferings that he had gone through during his ministry. 
sufferings from the outsiders and sufferings from insiders, suffering from uh, the country and the city, in danger everywhere he went. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten with rods. He had been stoned. And at the end of that list of all the sufferings that he had gone through, he says this in verses 28 and 29 of 2 Corinthians 11. He says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Isn't that unique? He had been listing all of these physical limitations, abuses, and sufferings that he had undergone. And he waits till the very end and he says, beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I don't think you can be much of a preacher, a minister, and not be concerned about your church or about all the churches of which you are aware. Uh, and let me say that this COVID-19 pandemic has been terrible. It's been an ordeal for all of us. Sickness and death and pain and grief and sadness but the toll that it has taken and is still taking on congregations, local churches, is overwhelming. And we know God is in it. And we know God is still in control. And God is having his own way through it, but the learning curve is too much to bear at times. Now, Let's face it, the church in America was in a steady decline even before COVID-19 pandemic became a factor. Warnings were given before the new millennia ever began. In uh, his book, uh, The Second Coming of the Church, George Barna, the uh, professional pollster, uh, the one who has been able to keep many of the records and the books down through the years, he, he wrote this book, The Second Coming of the Church, in 1998. And it was then that he said, despite the activity emanating from thousands of congregations, the church in America is losing influence and adherence faster than any other major institution in the nation. He continued with these words, at the risk of sounding like an alarmist, I believe that the church in America has no more than five years, perhaps even less, to turn itself around and begin to affect the culture rather than to be affected by it. Uh, Barna was a smart man. And it is true that the church has been affected by the culture rather than the church affecting the culture. And the church has paid a great price as a result of that. It has declined. It has become more carnal. It has become more like the world that it was sent to change. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul says these words, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, dear friends, those are great words. He says, I want you to know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. You see, 
the church is God's household. The church is the family of God. The Greek word here is oikos, and it means family. It means those who dwell together. I'm proud of the fact that we are family. But we have certain obligations and restrictions. We have certain things that God wants to happen as far as the church is concerned. And then he says that the church of the living God uh, is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And of course, this passage is talking about the local church, the church that Timothy was helping to lead. It's the pillar of truth. The word pillar in the Greek, the Greek word here means a column supporting the weight of a building. Um, and, and the church is that pillar uh, that supports and holds up the truth. And then he uses the word foundation. It's the foundation of truth. And that Greek word, hedriomai, uh, means a support, a bulwark, a stay. That's how important the local church is. And the Lord is depending upon the local church to support the truth so that the world can be changed. Is that happening? Uh, is it going to happen? Especially since this COVID pandemic has come in and made so many alterations and changes in the processes and the methods that we have to use. There is an expert in church growth and church leadership by the name of Kerry Newhoff. Our associate minister and I have listened to some of his podcasts and, and his blogs. He, he's written several books. He sends out emails all the time to churches and ministers. So much good to say. And after the presidential election recently, back in November... He sent out one of those blogs, and it was entitled, After the U.S. Election, Three Things the Culture Needs Right Now That the Church Can Give. After the U.S. Election, Three Things the Culture Needs Right Now That the Church Can Give. And I want to tell you what those three things were that he said we need to be able to give to our culture. The first is this. A blaming culture needs a confessing church. A blaming culture needs a confessing church. You see, confession bridges the gap between blame and responsibility. Uh, we, we have lived in the past year with a whole lot of blaming, a whole lot of fussing and, and complaining uh, trying to lay the responsibility of this or that on each other. You know, you'll never address what you don't confess. Uh, Newhoff says, when a church starts to confess more and accuse less, then we're making some progress. And I would agree with that. The church needs to be a body of believers that makes confession. John says in 1 John 1, 9 and 10, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Dear friends, the church needs to be a confessing body of people. 
because we have fallen short in many areas. You know, we might say, well, the church has done pretty well as far as the sins of commission are concerned. Well, I guess we've done okay with the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. I'm not so sure about that, but we're going to leave that category, and then we're going to go to the other category, which would be the sins of omission. And I want to tell you, as as the body of believers, uh, local churches throughout the land, we, we really stand in need of some repentance and confession when it comes to this. Because in so many areas, we have not accomplished and done what the Lord wanted us to do. Consider the messages of the Holy Spirit to the churches of Asia in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. This could be sort of an outline for all of the churches today. What did the Spirit say to the church at Ephesus? Well, you've done a lot of things right, but you have forsaken your first love. To the church at Pergamum, you... You hold to the teachings in order to gain. You you hold to false teachings in order to gain. And too many churches have allowed false teaching in order just to gain. To the church at Thyatira, the Holy Spirit said, you're doing more than you did at the first, but you tolerate that woman Jezebel and her teachings that are leading others into sin, sexual immorality, and so forth. You're tolerating. The church, dear friends, has done too much tolerating of the world and, and of the carnal and the sinful things. And we need to repent of that. We need to confess that openly before God to the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. That church was charged with being lukewarm, that their deeds were neither cold nor hot, but because they were lukewarm, it it made the Lord nauseous. And he said, I'm going to spit them or vomit them out of my mouth. They were trying to ride the middle of the fence. And too often the, the church has not stood when it needed to stand. It's not spoken up when it needed to speak up. We've, we've wanted to just ride the middle of the fence, and now we're paying the price for that in our, in our nation, America. So we need to confess, and, and that's, that's so very important. Um, a, a blaming culture needs a confessing church. And then the second thing he said, Newhoff said, was, that a a divided nation needs a united church. A divided nation needs a united church. Uh, You know, Jesus stressed unity so much. In fact, he prayed that prayer of unity in John 17, recorded in John 17. Uh, Almost the whole chapter was this prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. And in verses 20 and 21, he said to the Lord, uh, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's you and me, dear friend, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's the words of Jesus. May they be one in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, the church cannot help a divided nation unless she is united. And for too long, the church has fussed and divided over petty little things, 
traditions or creeds or societies. We haven't been one. We haven't been united. The literal holy wars may have ceased, but the wars between the churches continue. Denominational divisions and and local church division and petty arguments and fighting. The Apostle Paul talks to the Corinthian church and chides them for those same wrongs. If the church of Christ can't unite on him, the solid rock, then the nation isn't going to pay any attention to the church. So the the divided nation, and our nation is really divided right now, and what they need most is a united church, and a united church will do more for the divided nation than any other single thing. And the third thing that Newhoff suggests is that an exhausted culture needs an alternative to itself, not an echo of itself. The culture that we live in right now is tired. It's tired of itself. But it doesn't know how to escape that. And that's where the church can help, by just being itself. If the church becomes itself, the world is going to see hope. You see, hope counters hate better than hate counters hate. And we live in a world right now where hate's just slinging mud at each other. Now, we're not talking about hope in a candidate or a political party. We're talking about hope in Christ. The someone in the world who transcends the world, only Jesus. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28-30, Jesus said, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In a divided culture, Christians united, the church united, should be the help and the hope that the world needs. Now, everything has changed since COVID came, but our hope hasn't changed. It's still in the Lord. Uh, We are going to have to change many things because even when the scare of COVID has subsided, most likely there's going to be something else around the corner. So take to heart these words today. A blaming culture, what, what does it need? It needs a confessing church. And also a divided nation needs a united church. We need to come together as Christians so that we can show the world that we have what they need. And an exhausted culture needs an alternative to itself, not an echo of itself. Are you exhausted? Are you tired? Are you weary? You need to come to Jesus. Let him bind your wounds, give you a renewal of vitality like you've never known before. If you're not a Christian today, I want you to know that the church is still out there doing its job the very best that it can. The Lord Jesus is using his church to bring the gospel to those that are lost. And we want you to know the gospel today and we want you to become a believer. If you're not a Christian today, we want you to respond to Jesus' call. I know that the folk at First Christian Church are dedicated 
to doing the right thing with the tools that the Lord has given them. And we believe that if we continue to do that, then we're going to bear fruit and the Lord's going to bring blessings like we never knew before. Thank you so much for listening today. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your church, the church that Jesus loved and gave himself up for, the church that he established in just the right way at just the right time, and how, Lord, that church has blessed our world, how that church has blessed America. So we pray today that you will let the church be the church, that, that our world will allow the church to be the church, and help us to do your will and your work in the way that you've designed it to be done. We want to give you glory and praise and honor today for Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Jesus is overcome.
I will run.